Good to see you all this morning. I've enjoyed studying for this morning's lesson. I hope it will be a blessing to you. So if you'll turn, please, to Numbers 21. I use this portion of Scripture a great deal in leading people to the Lord, and I love this portion of Scripture. So if you'll turn to Numbers 21, and I'd like to begin to read in verse 1. And when King Arid, the Canaanite, which dwelt in the south, heard tell that Israel came by the way of the spies, then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. And Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord hearkened to the voice of Israel and delivered them Delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them and their cities. And he called the name of the place Hormoth. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, and we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. And the children of Israel set forth and pitched in over Father, we ask you to bless now the reading and studying thy word. And I pray, dear God, if somebody will hear the word and understand your clear plan of salvation, not only how to be saved, but how to be took care of by you in our everyday walk. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Turn over to John 3 for just a minute. And I'll show you the rest of the story. In John chapter 3, and I'd like to begin, please, read in verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God sent not, for God sent, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So you, John uh, 3, verse 14 and through 15 gives us God's plain uh, plan of salvation that the book of Numbers gives us in Numbers 21. Now, I was reading and studying this, and I wanted a real blessing for the Lord. And I asked him to, and I said, 
there's several spiritual lessons that we can learn from Numbers 21. Number one is how to have victory over sin in our lives. Verse 3, notice verse 3 of Numbers 21. And the Lord hearkened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and they were utterly destroyed, and they utterly destroyed them and their cities, and he called the name of the place Horeth. The next lesson we can learn from this chapter is how we get eradicated from sin and in verses 4 down through verse 9. And I'll get back to that in a minute. The third lesson that I want to show you this morning is the reason for our discouragements in verses 4 and 5. Now I want to take each one of those one at a time. <clears throat> Number one is how to have victory over sin in our life. These three verses, verses 1 through 3, is given the struggle and the victory of the soldiers of Christ over his spiritual enemy and the duty of every Christian soldier. Notice that the fear of the anger of the Canaanites was because Israel was coming uh, by the way of the spies, or Israel was trying to get to the promised land. Now, me and you, saved by God's grace, are going through this world, and we go into God's promised land, that is heaven. Amen? Now, as we travel through it, uh, I have been trying to tell people ever since I got saved and got to realize myself, a lot of people think that when you get saved, when you ask the Lord to save you and become your Savior, you think everything in this world is going to be roses. That's not true. If you get saved by God's grace, you get in a fight. And you get in a fight with the devil and his crowd, and you're going to have trouble all through this world. But one day we'll get rid of this trouble. Now, that's what this picture is a story of. Notice again the reason Satan and all his demons fight against us today is because we're going to to heaven. Now, Satan makes no direct attack on those who he sees walking contrary to God and the rest. Have you ever noticed, and I want to talk about Christians for a few minutes. Did you ever notice that Christians, saved by God's grace, and they get into sin or whatever, the devil makes no direct attack on them. The devil fights those that stand up for the Lord, those that wants to do what is right. Now, Satan's attack on Christians comes suddenly at times uh, we don't expect. Satan goes about as a roaring lion, the Bible says. But the lion does roar just before he attacks. Now, notice this king in verse 1. And when King Arid, the Canaanite, which dwelt in the south, heard tell that Israel came by the way of the spies, then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. Now, this king, in verse 1, took some of God's children captives. The one desire of Satan over us today is to put us in the bondage of sin. And he gets some Christians in prison to sin. Notice Israel's victory over God's enemies was extermination. And look at verse 2. Verse 2 said, And Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy 
this city. Let me show you how it works by a simple illustration. A man came to me years ago, and he asked the Lord to save him. He started coming to church and serving the Lord, and he was an alcoholic. And uh, I went to visit him and talked to him about it and prayed with him about it. And he had a fifth of whiskey. And he took that fifth of whiskey and set it on his counter in his kitchen. And he said, I'm, I'm going to set this fifth of whiskey here to remind me every day, don't drink. Don't drink. And I said, that's foolishness. You get rid of that liquor. You throw it down the tube. Uh, you pour it out. Get rid of it. Get it out of your sight. Because the flesh will go right back to it. I've had people to give up their cigarettes. I've had all kind of vices in their life. And then they still play with it. And they go right back to it. Now if you'll notice, how you get rid of sin in your life, you eradicate it. You completely... And in the book of Corinthians, the Bible says that we're new creatures in Christ Jesus. Come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. A lot of people get saved. Uh, they ask the Lord to save them. And they run, used to run around with the old crowd, do old kind of things with them. And they said, I want to keep my friends. You can't do it. If you're a child of God, you've got to get rid of those old sinful crowd and get your new people, uh, Christians, around you and serve the Lord and, and uh, you won't go back into it. Now notice something else. Now this, we must destroy sin in our lives without thought of self or remorse, or awareness, or regret, or destroying it. We give up our sins for Jesus' sake. You know, one thing I found, I love the Lord, and I ask the Lord every day, Lord, teach me to love you better. Lord, I want to love you more. And if you do that, then you hate sin in your life. And the things that you don't want to give up, you don't give them up for yourself. You give them up for the Lord. Notice something else. God accepts their vow here in verse 3. Notice verse 3. And the Lord hearkened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites. And they were utterly destroyed them and their cities. And he called the name of the place Horeth. Now this verse 3. Notice God accepted their vow and gave them victory over the Canaanites. You know when I got saved I'll never forget it. I came forward and sat there on the pew and the preacher come down and talked with me. But I, before he came down, I was praying, Lord, I don't want to go to hell. Lord, save my soul. And I promised him I would quit everything in the world. I would promise him everything if he'd save my soul. And I and I got up and sat down. And I, he said, did you get saved? I said, I hope I did. And, uh, he, of course, took the Bible and led me to saving faith in Christ. But the reason I said that, I wanted the Lord to save me, and I was telling him I'd do anything in the world to get saved. Do you know how many people has come to me and said, Preacher, I want to get saved. Whatever it takes. I had a man in my office one time and brought his wife in there and said, I want my wife to take me back. And he wanted me to pray with him. Everything. I'll do anything in the world. And he got down on his knees and asked the Lord to save her. And his wife, he took his wife back. He promised her he'd do all kind of things. His wife took him back and he went right back into what he was doing before. He made a vow, but he didn't keep it. Now, what I'm trying to say is, the name of the place of victory, God called it Horemeth, 
You know what that means? That word means utter destruction. This is to remind every Christian there can be no truce between a Christian soldier and his enemy sin. Now, how do you get eradicated from sin? you got to remember something now. Every portion of the Bible is about one thing. How to get a sinner to heaven. That's what the Bible is about. Alright? So if you read a story like this, you got to remember something. What is this story for? It's showing you how to get a sinner to heaven. And there's no sin going to heaven. So how do you get eradicated? We're all sinners. Romans chapter 3.23 said we are. How do you get eradicated from sin? Look at verse 4. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of this Egypt to die in this wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water. And our soul loatheth this light bread. Did you know what light bread, do you know what this bread represents here? If you go back and study it, in the book of John, Jesus told his he said, I am the bread of life. That's what this manna represented. And these people, it's not just talking about a loaf of bread here. That they're low. I don't like light bread either. Amen. I like a Coke cake or cornbread every once in a while or biscuits or something. But uh, that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about they loathe God in their life. And then notice, and the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpent from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that every one that is bidden, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he held the serpent of brass, he lived. Now let me show you something. You go over to the book of John, where I read you a few minutes ago, in chapter 3, uh, verse 14. Just before John 3.16, God says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So, this serpent on a pole, because it was brass, brass speaks of chastisement, of wrath of God, and this serpent of brass represented the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just like if if somebody gets baptized, that baptism can't save you. What you get baptized is you're doing that in representing the Lord Jesus Christ and what He done for you. When you take the Lord's Supper, you're representing the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when these people look to that fiery serpent on that cross, the symbol of what bit them, and all they, I want you to notice them now, all they had to do was look. That's all they had to do to that serpent. Now think with me for just a minute. I'm talking about eradicating sin. Getting sin completely out of your life. What did they have to do? What did they have to do to get sin completely out of their life? 
only one thing. Look to that serpent. Now, that serpent on that pole didn't have a thing to do. That serpent couldn't take their sin away. What made the difference was, take a look, at, and the Bible makes it very plain, and many did not look and died, and many looked and lived. It's the same way today. Jesus, in, in the wrath of God, is hung on the cross. And the Bible says anybody that will look to Jesus, period. That's all you got to do. Just trust the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're taking the Lord Jesus Christ, somebody said, well, I, I, I can't do enough to get saved. Now let me show you something. Anybody can look. I don't care who you are. Anybody can look to that brass servant. You don't have to be a big, strong person, big, healthy person. Uh, you ain't got to do some great mighty deed or something. And so God made it simple. And that's the same way God's plan of salvation is. It's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that saves us from our sin. It's just that simple. All you have to do is look to it. Now I want you to watch something. This is very important. You remember something now. These fiery serpents were ministers of Satan. That old serpent. Now, the Bible says in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. The devil could not harm God's people unless God gave him the power to do it. According to Isaiah 45, verses 5 through 7. Amos 3, verse 6 says, Shall there be evil in a city, and the Lord hath not done it? Again, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 5 of whom is Hermenus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may uh, be destroyed. Notice again now, notice the helplessness of each one of these that were bitten. No herb, no polis, no charm could expect the poison only... Uh, expel the poison. Only faith in the serpent. Let's take that whole congregation. Million Jews out there, and they're getting bitten by serpents. And here's one that looks and lives. Here's another, just like I've preached the gospel all these years, give invitation. Somebody said, I don't believe that stuff. And they will not come to Christ. I just don't believe it. In that crowd that day, there had to be some of those that looked to that serpent, did would not look to that serpent. I don't care. I don't believe it works. But there were some, the Bible says, that looked and lived. And that's the same way when it comes to salvation. Now, I want to show you one other thing, if I can, please. The reason for discouragement. Look at verse 4. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea, to go past the land of Edom, and the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. If you study why these were discouraged in this way, we can learn how to avoid some of our discouragement. Now, i got news for you. If you haven't been discouraged yet as a Christian, you will be. Every Christian gets discouraged. We're not perfect yet. Number one, the direction of the way. It led away from Canaan. Our circumstances sometimes seems to lead us away from the peace of God. 
Here's something I've never understood. If I get sick, if my family gets sick, if something's happening to somebody of my friends, I don't run away from God. I run to God. I get on my knee before God and I pray, Lord, help them, help me. I want to run to the Lord. And I know a lot of people that have hard times come into their life. They'll quit church. They'll quit reading their Bible. They'll quit praying. And they run away from the Lord. Now these people, the way that they were going here was leading away from Cain. <coughs> now I want you to watch them. The length of the way. It may have been shorter through Edom instead of around it. But God's blessings would not have been within. Can I show you something? If I got to go through a hard time in my Christian life and have the Lord with me, or had I rather go through life and have everything roses and God not with me? I don't care what I have to go through if I got God with me. I'd rather have God with me than anything on the face of this earth. The shorter way is not always the best way. God's blessing would not have been with them if they'd have took the shortcut. Notice something else. The roughness of the way. It was a hard way. Sometimes our way to God's peace is through green pastures. But other times it's hard and rough and rocky. Now let me show you what I'm talking about. Turn with me to Jeremiah for a minute. Jeremiah chapter 15. And I want to begin to read in verse 18. Why is my pain perpetual and my wound incurable, which refuse to be healed? Will thou be altogether unto me as a liar and as a waters that fail? Therefore thus saith the Lord, If thou return, then will I bring thee again, and thou shalt stand before me. And if thou take forth the precious from the vile, thou shalt be as my mouth. Let them return unto thee, but return not thou unto them. I will make thee unto this people a fenced brazen wall, and they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee to save thee and deliver thee, saith the Lord. And I will deliver thee out of the hand of the wicked, and I will redeem thee out of the hand of the terrible. You know what all that says? If you've got God with you, you're the victor. Amen? If you don't have God with you, you can be overtaken by the devil. I want you to notice the companionship of the way. Some of our friends and companions are complainers, and they may infect us. Others lazy and cause us to slow down. Others, apostates, who give and evil report of the way that we go. And they cause mistrust. But God is our companion to the end of the way. Listen to these verses. Psalms 48 verse 14. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. Psalms 73:24. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward Receive me to glory. Amen. He'll never leave you. And then I want you to see the provision of the way. Verse 5. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore 
Have you brought us up out of this Egypt to die in the wilderness, where there is no bread, neither any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread? Now turn with me to Colossians a minute. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And I want to begin to read in verse 6. And ye have therefore received Christ the Lord. So walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the removers of the world, and not after Christ. Do you know what the answer to living the Christian life is? The answer to the Christian life and the provisions of God as we go through this life is walk in the Lord. Amen? Just stay in the way. Stay with the Lord. He'll never let you down. And I encourage people all the time, and I enjoy doing so. Take the Lord as your Savior. Walk with Him, and He'll never leave you. You know what? If you've got Christian friends, and you say, Preacher, i got friends that will never leave me. You don't know that. You don't know that. Some of them will. But God will never leave you. That's encouragement. Father, would you bless now the coming hour, we pray, and bless the reading of thy word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.